the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm so very grateful to be back here at Christ Church in this sanctuary with the people that I love and cherish, and all of you, too. I've been on sabbatical since the day after Easter, and because I've been gone a while, I have been making some missteps. You could call them mistakes, missteps, but I also know that perfection is not the goal around here at Christ Church. Sharing the gospel of grace and the love of God is what we do. And being human is the way that we do it. Last summer was supposed to be my sabbatical, and I had several really intense educational events planned, like going to Oxford for the C.S. Lewis Summer Institute and the Oberammergau Passion Play in Germany to see that. But obviously, the pandemic tanked all of that. So this summer, I had simpler plans for a driving trip all over the United States to see my family. And then my husband and I needed to stay home for various reasons, so that didn't happen. But what actually happened was better and simpler than what I had planned, which is almost always the case with what I plan versus what God plans. By staying home, I got to experience God in the rhythm of my everyday life the one that I seem to want to travel away from all the time. What I realized is that my yearning for travel might just be about controlling my fear of being average. It's an illusion that I love, going away for myself, coming back new and improved, trying on a new environment like a new city or country, escaping the bill paying, laundry doing and cleaning, And that calls to me like a siren from a rock. Come away, come away from your life. But God is to be found in my life. In recovery circles, this is called doing a geographic, believing that changing your environment will change you. It's like putting a goldfish in a garage and thinking it will become a car, or wearing yoga pants and thinking that yoga will just happen. This can include changing jobs, changing spouses, redecorating, moving, getting a new degree, all kinds of things. The motivation is the key point to that, though. It's to, in effect, an inward transformation by changing the outward circumstances or material world of your life. To finally feel smart enough, cool enough, organized enough, finally leading to feeling good enough. So I thought I would ace my sabbatical and come back just a new and improved me without flaws. However, like many people, I've also experienced emotions vicariously during this time through Netflix and HBO Max and Prime and everything else you can stream. And the show Mayor of Easttown has offered a window into this escapist behavior of mine. Mare is played by the British actress Kate Winslet with a very distinct Pennsylvania accent. Uh, She was a basketball star in her hometown who became a cop like her dad. So you have to kind of imagine Kate Winslet in flannel shirts, vaping with an accent and a badge. And as we watch Mare kind of zombie walk through her days, we wonder... And then we learn that events out of her control blew her life apart to make her that way. And I can relate to that. That's happened in my life before. It's easy for us to see in others, but it's really hard for us to see in ourselves. Like, why is her mom so angry? Why doesn't Mayor eat better? Why does she drink so much? 
In our lives, there are times when a diagnosis or a death or a loss or news changes what we thought we knew about life, and we are kidnapped by fear. There are two really great lines in this drama um, that pinpoint the locus of our own discomfort and pain. Her partner, Zabel, says, after he admits to cheating on something, well, I just wanted to do something great in my life for once. And she replies, you know, doing something great is overrated. People expect that you, of, that, of you all the time, doing something great. What they don't realize is that we're just as messed up as they are. It's an expectation to be something that I am not good enough to be. We all want a savior or want to think that we're saving the world, but there is only one savior, and it's not you or me or Mare. When Mare is ordered to get help for her grief, her therapist tells her that she is seeking external solutions for her internal pain. And she tells her the grief will still be there until you confront it. So I have a kind of a weird illustration of this that deals with this confronting. Um, and I think it's the way that God works in my life sometimes. I try and ignore things until they're right in my face. A few days ago, I was walking on our farm and I opened a gate and was face to face with a very, very big black bear, um, like eight feet from me. The bear seemed as surprised to see me as I was to see him. And my first reaction was to scream at our dogs who were running at this bear, which sent my Apple Watch into this heart alert mode, uh, which started vibrating. Uh, when my brain finally came back online, the dogs and I got the dogs back and we went into this fenced-in area for me to calm down. The bear was long gone. And when I thought about it later, honestly, I started thinking, seeing that bear was like a lot of things in my life. I, I kind of oblivious to it until it's right in my face. And also it seems a little bit like what's happening with the pandemic again. I thought the coronavirus had gone away, like the bears around our farm. And here it is back again, right in my face. Seeing the bear face to face really unsettled me because now I have to face the reality that we really do have bears on our property. I've also started wearing a mask again another reality faced. So confronting is another word for confessing or facing reality by, by admitting our pain, our grief, our fear, our disappointments, our expectations, our anger, resentments, other uncomfortable feelings, and that can include joy. It takes the power out of them by letting them out into the light. You know, scripture has been given to us to uncover the reality of our spiritual situation by showing us how our plan for dealing with the pain doesn't work, but the God plan does. The words of St. Paul to the Ephesians today are, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It is foolish to believe we are unlike other human beings. It's foolish to think that we don't talk about our fears and grief, they will go away. It's foolish to try and numb these because they just go underground and pop up in other places. Why is it foolish? Because as the text tells us, it's not the will of the Lord. When we hear the will of the Lord, we can be afraid that we're not special enough to hear God's voice telling us what to do, that that's what that's about. But the gospel is not as obscure as that. 
Jesus Christ is the will of the Lord. The will means the desire. He is the radical presence of God come to earth to show God's desire, which is his will to be your absolute provision, the life in the world, the resuscitation of your hopes and heart, the true master of your fear. Doing something humanly great is overrated because Jesus has done the greatest act by breaking himself open so that you can know that it is God's desire to save you with love. Galatians 4.4 tells us that God has put Christ's spirit into our hearts to cry out, Abba, Father, when we are in need or pain. Our hearts pray for us and with us by crying out like a child in the dark, Mommy, I need you. The Gospel of John today riffs on this same theme, that Jesus is the bread of life. The heart is where change is made, and only God can transform the heart. External fixes may numb the heart or harden the heart, but love is the only power that changes a heart, and love is generated by Christ. Jesus tells us that he is the bread of life because bread is not a topical cure. It is eaten and becomes part of the body. Jesus is the embodiment of the heart of God. Being human is an exercise in vulnerability. We are at the mercy of whatever life comes up with, be it disruptions, bears, or a pandemic. God, however, meets us in that place of fear and defensiveness and gives us grace and mercy. So I'd like to end with Kate Bowler's prayer for being human. Blessed are we, living in this small space, in these bodies we now inhabit, within the walls of circumstance, in these short years and finite strength, and with these eyes that see only so far. We are fragile, contingent beings, and oh, how blessed are we in our fragility and dependence and brokenness, knowing that you, O oh God, hold all things together. Amen.